I would like to begin this retreat by very warmly welcoming you all to Gaia House. My name is Yanai and this is Kirsten and we're both very happy to be with you here for this weekend retreat. And we'd like to take a little time just to speak this evening about the sort of framework and the flavour of the retreat, what we'll be doing here together in a way. And uh, particularly for those of you new and here for the first time, give you some sense of what will be happening and some introduction to the practice of meditation. It's something that I find quite curious these days. The idea of meditation or going on a retreat has, has become a little bit more familiar, I think, in our culture than it was, say, 20 or 30 years ago that it doesn't provoke quite the same strong response when uh, one may speak of meditation or a retreat, that uh, people sort of look strangely at one and, you know, wonder what that's all about. That most of us have probably heard or experienced before we come on a retreat something to do with this world. And I think that's a healthy thing because our Western society, our culture that's Develop so strongly and in some ways very powerfully and usefully in terms of technology and understanding and development of our capacity to make changes in our world. While there's been many benefits from that, we can also, I think most of us see that the development of our culture, the technology, the industry, the the developments in knowledge and pushing back the frontiers of understanding in the scientific realm haven't necessarily touched all of our lives in the way we might have hoped, insofar as what we look for as human beings most deeply, what we care for, what we yearn for, isn't necessarily addressed in much of the activity that goes on in our lives and in the world. And so coming on a retreat or engaging in spiritual practice is a at one level, a kind of a curious thing for some, it seems. Of course, to me, it feels like the most natural and normal thing. I've spent you know, a larger part of my adult life engaged pretty much in this activity, in this exploration. And yet, there's still times when I, and certainly when I arrive and have the, the opportunity as today to arrive with a group of new people at a retreat and haven't been teaching these retreats like this for many years, it's always like, wow, look, here's all these people. They've come on a retreat. I wonder what brought them here. And for some of you, I'm sure, having been on such things, such retreats before, you'll be coming back with some sense of interest to explore and further develop things you've understood and explored in the past. For others of you, it'll be something completely new. And it's like, great, coming and doing something new for the first time something, to me, really healthy in that, really uh, inspiring, in fact, that that you, some of you have chosen to come along to do your first retreat, and quite a number of you tonight, today here, are coming to your first silent meditation retreat. And so, what does it mean to engage in a retreat or spiritual practice? First of all, when we talk about retreat, the association we might have with that is a sort of getting away from it all. It's like retreat, escape, avoid. And in a way, um, there's an element of that. We get to step out of the busyness of our lives, the fullness of engagement, the pressures, the stresses, the million and one things we have to do 
many of which we had to do today before we could leave in order to come to the retreat. And, you know, there's the sense of arriving with that, I'm sure for many of you. And Kirsten and I were just speaking about that process of, you know, us too, having to get things done before we get here. And how life can so easily become filled, in fact consumed, with that restless and driven momentum of all the things we need to attend to just to take care of our survival, just in order to provide our food and our shelter, our home, our career or job which or education, which is sort of moving us in that direction of providing for ourselves and equally providing for our friends, our family, our, our dependents. That all that seems to take up so much of our time and yet it may not be that which is most important to us. Even though we may not always exactly know what it is that's most important to us, I think we have a sense of it. It seems to me that in all of us as human beings, there's a, there's a certain sort of openness or interest or inclination towards what may be possible for us that isn't limited or circumscribed in the way much of our life can be experienced as being. And so then the, the sense of, ah, maybe I'll come on a retreat. I'll explore what that might have to offer me. And in coming on retreat, we're not escaping our lives. Sorry if this is going to be a disappointment for any of you. you know, we don't get to escape our lives here. Because what are our lives but the thoughts and the feelings and the experiences we have in our heart and our mind and our body? That's our life. And... Our heart and our mind and our body are going to be here with us over this retreat. There's no way we could do it otherwise. And so it's not like we're escaping from our lives or retreating from life, but more putting ourselves in a situation where we're supported, where we're encouraged, and where we have the support of others equally in order to see how can we make use, best use of this opportunity. What can we learn? How can we grow? Where might there be patterns and habits of behaviour or activity that are strong or predominant maybe in our lives that don't really serve us, that don't really lead us where we in our hearts long to be led. So coming on retreat, it's like putting down the busyness, putting down the distractedness, putting down the million and one things we have to do. And although we'll be here engaging in meditation practice, there won't be anything we have to do in that. Though sometimes it's a little hard to understand exactly what that means. We'll, we'll speak about, about that. <coughs> and so in coming into a retreat, we really step into a stream that flows through human life, that flows through human hearts, and that certainly flows through human history of people like ourselves who have a deep caring for life, for our lives, for the lives of those we love or that we have contact with, perhaps have a exposure or have in times contacted the challenges, the difficulties, how sometimes it's really hard or confusing or just frustrating to have to live in the conditions and the circumstances that we encounter. How at other times, of course, it's delightful, it's beautiful, it's uplifting. But how 
that somehow the mixture of all of that isn't something we can always determine or control. And that there's a way in which we can, it seems, live our lives on the surface. And yet feel within us. And as we come into a retreat, perhaps even as we arrive here at Guy House, we start to have a sense, there's a certain, we might call it stillness, we might call it calm or peace, or just, there's almost a texture to the atmosphere that we encounter. And maybe we like it and maybe we don't. It's fine if we don't like it. Um, but it, it's sort of like it just invites or suggests something else. And it's like an invitation to stop and connect more deeply with what is true, with what is real. Because although as, as we live, it seems to me, you know, we can have our ups and our downs and our joys and our sorrows, including and embracing all of that, there's a, there's a larger question or there's a larger invitation in our life. And it's to really understand what it means to be a human being. And what that might mean for us may vary. What, how we might think about or reflect on that could be different. Whether we think of love or truth or peace or freedom or whatever comes to mind, or maybe no words, but just a sense of what is it in my heart I deeply wish for? What is it that people like you and I have throughout all ages of humankind and throughout all regions of the globe have taken time out, have spent periods of time exploring, engaging with, being interested in. Because what we're doing here, although it may look a little strange, at times perhaps if you're here the first time it might look a little strange already, certainly explaining or describing it to people who don't know much about this kind of world or have never been on a retreat, can be a little difficult and if any of you have you know been trying to explain to friends or family what you're doing this weekend you know some of them will have possibly thought hmm i don't quite get that some of them maybe have even had some stronger reaction like stupid what what's the point of all that i mean you could have booked into a spa hotel you know of course you know i don't want to suggest that that was a good would have been a better idea but you've made a choice to come here not everyone will always understand that choice. But you made that choice. And there's something important in that. And although the much of what goes on around us in the world actually at times can seem rather crazy, there is wisdom in this world. And there is wisdom in our lives. And yet we don't necessarily know <coughs> the ways in which we can discover that, and ways in which it can be revealed more fully to us. And so a retreat is really a, a situation or a place we bring ourselves to, we put ourselves in, where that is supported and encouraged, and where that's actually given the primary value. Rather than you know how we look or how much we produce, you know, we're not going to examine you at the end of the retreat on what you've learnt, and tick you or put crosses against your answers and send you home with a grade card, you know, saying passed with distinction or, you know, failed, go back and do it again. Um, it's not like that. 
And yet so much of our life gets framed in that way and so much pressure comes from that. So I'd really invite you, if, if you can allow yourself to put down here any sense of needing to perform, produce, succeed, get anywhere. You might have come with some sense of what you'd like to happen and that's fine to have some aspiration in that regard. But to hold it lightly, hold it gently so that you leave a lot of space open for what happens. Because we don't know what's going to happen on this retreat. If you've done retreats before, you might think you know what's going to happen, but you don't really know. Not exactly. And if you've heard, not done one, but you've talked to other people or read about such things, you have some idea. But the actual experience is always going to be unique and particular and individual. Although there are certain common threads and currents that will probably be shared by many of us. And we'll speak about these things over the days. There'll be elements that may be challenging. There will be elements that may be delightful. Perhaps that's already happening. You may come and some will feel, oh, how lovely it is to be silent. Or feel some silence. But God, look at all those people jammed into that hall. Wow. Other people may come and think, oh, I don't want to be silent. Or silence doesn't seem so inviting. But then there's just a sense of, oh, how nice to get to sit beside all these people. You know, the experience can be very different. And whatever it is for you, it's okay. I really invite you to trust just how it is for you and not try and fit it into some idea or model that you might have about how it should be. And it sometimes seems like a rather serious business. You know, we come, we sit down in rows and it's all sort of kind of austere and we might have associations with this kind of situation about, you know, it's going to be tough, we're going to have to battle our way through, you know, don't know if I'm going to make it, but I'm going to give it my best shot or die trying. All that kind of attitude we might bring. If that's there for you, just to notice that, yeah, in one way this is, you know, this is as serious a thing as we might undertake in our life, but in another way it's not. It's just something very light. And not a lightness that's insignificant, but just the lightness of, huh, let's see. The lightness of, you know, a young child's curiosity about something that's new. It's just like, oh, what's this? And so if that resonates for you or if that evokes anything for you, I really invite you to just allow that to be part of what you bring and what carries you into this retreat. It's a sense of interest, of openness, of curiosity. about your life, about this retreat. And it doesn't mean you have to somehow not have any ideas about it, but just that you hold them with a sense of, well, maybe it'll be like that, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see. And yet, in the sense of a retreat, there's also a certain discipline that's involved for us of of kind of putting things down. You've already probably had to put quite a few things down and make quite a few arrangements to organise your lives to get here. You know, maybe children, pets, or other responsibilities that one has to kind of, you know, parents, one has to organise or sort out before one can just step away from that world. And yet once we're here, can we really let ourselves be here? There's a wonderful team of coordinators who live here and who work here and who take care of all the practical things. So we really don't have to do too much. 
It's like, ah. The sense of when I, you know, likewise for myself, arriving, it's like the sense of, ah, someone else is organising all the things. Don't need to do that. How nice. How fortunate. How rare. And so there's a certain sort of holding in the space. It's like a supportive holding that's here for us in the presence of others whose kindness and energy is here to support this endeavour that we undertake together. And I kind of just wonder how it is sitting as you are there listening. Probably for some of you, there's some drowsiness. sense of, oh, it's been a long day. We'll probably not keep you too late. But uh, if you are drowsy, just to notice it, be aware of it. Not somehow feel that you shouldn't be, but see if you can be attentive nonetheless. And just in terms of, as you sit and listen, being aware of what your own responses are. So I'm speaking and Kirsten will be speaking also. Just being aware of your own responses, just allowing yourself to be here. There's a, a way in which we create this retreat together. There's a certain framework that's here, which is the building and the the staff, the coordinators, the various people who work and serve at Gaia House. And then there's the the coming together of this particular retreat and all of you arriving here with hopes, expectations, with your own life experience, your own challenges and your own good qualities of heart and mind and just coming into the space together. There's a way in which within the framework of this ground, this building, this organisation, we create this retreat. We establish it together. And it has some very core and powerful foundations that we, again, build and create together in the form of our shared undertaking and commitment to being here together. And so I'd like to speak a little bit about how we do that, what that involves. And the first element of that is the the silence, the being together in silence and what that means for us. It's a kind of an interesting one and having had as a a chance just to briefly look through some of the forms, I know that a number of you are going to be here in silence the first time. And it's a strange one, isn't it? For those of you doing that, great. Again, to come into something new. It's often the thing that people have the most doubt or uncertainty about. It's like, gosh... I don't know if I can do that. Or, more often, it's actually our friends and family who have no doubt. They have certainty. There's no way you are going to be silent for a whole weekend or whatever they may have said, some of them. And so what is this that we're entering into when we enter into silence? We can have associations with silence of somehow having been bad or done something wrong and being punished when we're children, you know, sent up stairs to our room to be in silence, banished, or nobody's talking to me, someone's not speaking to me because they are angry with me. And that can be really quite painful. And that's really not the 
the association we want to sort of suggest or invoke here. Silence is really a way of being with ourselves. It's so strongly conditioned and compelling for most of us, much of the time, to be engaged with something or someone in some form of dialogue, some form of conversation, and some form of purposeful or pointless sort of verbal activity. To the extent that these days there's very, very few spaces in our lives where we're not engaging with people, particularly in the in the sort of the age of modern sort of digital wireless communications, where basically there's no space where we have to be on our own unless we go somewhere out in the wilderness where we can't get a mobile phone signal or a sort of a, a wireless connection for our our laptop or our iPhone or whatever it might be. And so in our culture it's become less and less common for us just to even have a few moments. You know, when we're walking from home to the shop or to the bus stop or even to the car, you know, we're on our phone. Because why waste it? Oh, we're sitting in the train rather than it being, oh, there's nothing to do. It's like, okay, I've got my you know, digital equipment, I'm, I'm busy and it's efficient and it's effective and it gets things done. And we get very used to all of that. But we don't ever notice what happens, how we easily get out of relationship with ourselves. We don't necessarily know what it is to be connected with and in relationship to our own hearts and minds and lives. So being in silence is a real support for that. And we do that together. It's very interesting. It's a way we get to be somewhat in solitude, but surrounded by other people who are doing the same thing. So it's not like we're alone. We're actually together, but we're with ourselves. And this is a real gift to offer to yourself, to be with yourself. And it's a really precious gift to offer everyone else here, to allow them also that opportunity to be with themselves. And so we ask you to, to really take that on wholeheartedly. Like if there's a need for practical information and there'll be opportunities for questions with Kirsten and I and to speak with us in individual and group um, meetings about practice and the teachings and the experience of being here, and if you need to speak to one of the coordinators about practical things, then of course you know, one can do that. And it's not that we have to sort of, you know, like no sound shall pass your lips from the beginning until the end. You know, sometimes people are walking down the corridor and they bump into each other accidentally. And then, of course, the instinctive, you know, if you're English, sorry, even if you're not English, sorry. You know, um, they do the same in New Zealand where I come from, so I'm not poking fun at it. It's just interesting to see how we say that. So, And if that happens and you say sorry to someone you've bumped into, you don't have to then say sorry for saying sorry and breaking the silence. You know, It's okay, it just happened. But at the same time, being really clear that you don't need to say sorry. In this, you can smile, you can nod, and I, you know, some people find like just an acknowledgement if something's happened, you've bumped into someone, or they've, you know, got out of your way, and you just want to smile, or that's fine. But if what you want to do is just be with yourself and not have to even look or engage with others, that's fine too. So there's no rule that says you have to look away, but there's equally no rule, and there normally is kind of a rule that you're supposed to acknowledge and smile and say hello or how are you and all of that. So here we're kind of freed from that social convention. 
And it really gives us a lot of space just to notice, not just to be with ourselves, but to notice what it's like to be with ourselves. How we're so used to having to present me to the world in a way that I hope you will like or approve of or at least not attack me for. And, and it's sometimes not easy when I've got no way of knowing. When we've got no way of knowing what other people are thinking about us or whether they're friendly or not. Because we're not shaking hands or nodding, smiling, saying all of that. So in that sense of the silence, it's like, ah, we take this on together as a way of being together that has, in fact, a great degree of kindliness and respect in it. And I think it's important to have that as a sense of how we are silent together. And then silence is a way in which we get to see what goes on in our hearts and minds more clearly. Because so long as we're focused in the, the world of words out there, we don't really get to sense into what's going on in here so clearly and directly. And so silence is a real gift, as I said. And particularly if you've come here with friends, loved ones, partners, relatives, it can require some commitment to just saying, okay, we say goodbye in terms of talking at this point, and we'll say hello in terms of talking on Sunday afternoon again. And between now and then, we'll just let each of ourselves have our own experience. And likewise with regard to the rest of the world, which despite the fact that you've come out here to this far distant corner of Devon, may think you're just on the end of your telephone. If you need to, the last thing before you turn your telephone off and put it away, make a call and let anyone know that you're not going to be speaking to them for the next couple of days, just to let them know that's what's happening. It's really important. And in terms of that, that includes texting. And it's sort of funny how these things, the list gets longer. It used to be just... Don't talk, you know, let that go. But now don't text, don't email, don't get on your BlackBerry and do instant messaging and all of that sort of thing. It might seem like it's perfectly silent to be going, you know, with your thumbs. But in terms of the spirit of what silence offers you, it actually takes away from it. And the potency also is, is lost in that, punctured even. And likewise, in terms of the way when we do it all together, that has a potency and so it really supports yourself and it equally and very tangibly supports everyone else. So just put it down. So together with the silence, there's then a quality of simplicity that we invite in being here that's really supportive in terms of creating the retreat. Simplicity that's about not needing to add anything to what's already here. That kind, it's like you may notice, you know, there's lots of bare walls at guys. There's also some quite lovely, and I certainly find them at times inspiring or beautiful things around in Gaia House, images and pictures and that. But there's also a lot of just empty space. And I actually find that a real, it's like, ah. Oh. It's like I don't have to do anything when I look at that wall. It's just there. I don't have to decide I like the picture or I don't or understand it or I don't. And that sense of not adding too much. Like we actually come with plenty. We don't need to add anything to our lives right now. And in the retreat, one of the elements of simplicity is to just put away the world of words, of reading and writing particularly. So if you've brought books or had a plan to sort of you know start working on a novel in the spare time you have here, um, 
I'd really ask you not to do that. And if you absolutely can't restrain yourself from it, just to do it in your room and keep it minimal. But it's actually quite a short, it's a long, it's a substantial time in one way. It might seem at this point, whoa, it's a long weekend ahead. But actually it's also a very short time. And so to not fill it up, to not take away from what you've offered yourself in coming here with any activity that's not really necessary, whether that be sort of going and dusting out and tidying up your room, you know, sort of half a day after you've arrived, or whether it be, you know, as I said, pulling out a book or whatever. If you've brought anything like that that you think you might struggle with, whether it be your mobile phone or your, you know, the interesting novel that you're either halfway through reading or halfway through writing, if you brought anything like that with you and you're not sure you can let it go, give it to Kirsten or I. We'll look after it. I'll give it back to you at the end of the retreat. We promise we won't read it or use your phone too much. And that's a way in which we really, you know, we're inviting ourselves to make use, or I'm inviting you to make use of the support that's here for you. So the sense of silence and simplicity. And the, the third foundation of the retreat and that really holds us here and supports us to be here is to have a sense of caring for ourselves and each other and being here together. To create an environment of friendliness, of safety, of trust, of openness. Both in the way we honour ourselves and each other for coming to engage in this practice and this situation and also by making a, an intention. And we ask everyone here to make a very clear intention with regard to our behaviour while we're here together to refrain from causing harm to each other and to any living being. And in the context of this of this practice and this teaching and the these teachings and practices draw very much from the, the tradition of, of the Buddha who was a human being who lived in the region that's now India, Nepal, um, 2,600 years ago and who faced the same questions and same challenges in his life as we do in ours and who through his commitment and interest and deep care for life came to some remarkable understanding and insight and transformation which he shared with others and which has been shared from one living generation to the next. That we have the opportunity to explore and practice here. One of the elements of that was his reflection on just seeing how, wow, each of us really don't wish to be hurt or harmed, do we? And it's like that for everybody. When we ask ourselves, wow, yeah, I really don't want people to hurt me. I don't want to get hurt. And it's like that for everyone else. If we reflect in that way, there's a sense of, oh, yeah, it makes sense. It's natural. And this is actually not just an insight within Buddhist teaching. Of course, all authentic and uh, genuine spiritual traditions and teachings acknowledge this, the importance of caring for our impact on the world and how we share the sense of wishing not to be harmed. And so we ask you in this tradition and context to undertake the five precepts or guidelines for behavior that are about, so far as we can, refraining from causing harm. So I'd just like to name them and just say how they work for us here. To refrain from taking life for any living beings. To really respect even the small, you know, creepy crawly characters that might be underfoot or in our rooms. 
that we might not always like, but that are just as concerned for their existence as we are for ours. And to respect them, to not take their lives because they may be irritating or inconvenient to us. To respect all life as we wish ours to be respected. The second guideline or precept to refrain from taking things that aren't ours and that aren't offered to us. Or refrain from misusing material things. So that there's a way we respect things. Because we know when our things are taken or abused, we feel pain and upset. And so too do other people. So respecting material things is a way of respecting each other. And likewise respecting a place like Gaia House, where lots of what we're using isn't ours. And yet respectfully, carefully. And if things are offered, then of course making use of them, enjoying them. Those things that are offered to us, we can appreciate. The third of the precepts is to refrain from harmful expressions of sexuality, which in the context of the retreat is to refrain from intentional sexual activity. Now, sexual activity has its place in our life, in our world, if that's what feels right and appropriate for us. But here on retreat, as a way of staying with ourselves and giving ourselves some space from the power and the way in which there's a sometimes distorting effect that it has on us in the way we see the world and easily start to look through the lens of attraction or non-attraction, interest or non-interest in that way towards others and wonder how they're seeing us, just kind of putting that down. And for now, we're just human beings. Sure, men, sure, women, and yet just human beings sharing that commonality of human life and experience together. And of course, you might be thinking, well, that's going to be an easy one. We're in silence, don't know anybody. You know, it's not likely anything's going to happen, is it? It doesn't look like an ideal sort of place for picking up someone. And, uh, and yet, it's just interesting to notice how it is for us to say, okay, I'm going to put that down. You know, it's Friday night. But that's not what we're here for. So, hey, it's okay. And it's not in any rejection or judgment of all of that. But just saying, oh, it's okay to say for now, no. And then outside of a retreat in our lives, it's more about respect and honesty and integrity with regard to the exploration of our and sharing of sexuality. The fourth of the guidelines we ask everyone here to undertake is with regard to speech and not causing harm through speech and refraining from harmful expressions of speaking, which to a large extent, again, is going to be easy because we're going to be in silence much of the time. But again, it's about just respectfulness, acknowledging the potency of language, how powerful it is, how immense sweetness and incredible pain can derive from just a few words spoken. And so here, there'll be, as I said, some opportunity for speaking, but for the most part, in the silence, we'll feel that verbal energy, that speech tendency, more inside ourselves. And we'll see it in thoughts and streams of activity in the mind. And just to be interested to see how much of this is useful, how much of it is true. So much of our thoughts are sort of speculative and not really grounded in what we know. So there's just a sense of, okay, to speak what's true and what's useful when we do speak and, and supporting the silence as a support for that, that intention as well. 
The fifth of the guidelines is to refrain from the use of alcohol or intoxicants, sub, not using substances to sort of try and alter or fix our mental and emotional experience. Now, of course, if you're using medicine for your physical or psychological well-being, please continue to use that medicine as you do, and that's very right and appropriate that that is used in that way. But we're more talking about the kind of the casual, the recreational and the addictive forms of of substance that we can use, intoxicants that we can use that cloud the mind, that easily lead to either a sense of disconnection with ourselves or a sense of sort of mindlessness in which our actions easily lead to harm and to regret. And again, this might be one which for some it's kind of like, of course, that's obvious. But for others it might be really quite challenging to, to be away from those things that we may have relied on or depended on to kind of support ourselves in some way. And to see that we can do that. We can choose to say, I support myself here. With the support of this group and this retreat and the teachers and the teachings, we don't need to rely on those substances or intoxicants. And something quite noble in that, something quite beautiful in the sense of, yeah, yeah, we can, we can do that together. And so when we when we like that when we practice with these intentions and they're intentions that we can't it doesn't mean we can be perfect at it but that our intention is to as wholly and fully as we can fulfill those intentions it really creates a sense of safety and allows a possibility for a deepening trust and openness in which we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable to be open to be as we are and it's something very precious and very powerful And so in this creating the retreat together, the silence, the simplicity, the ethical guidelines or precepts, they really create something in which we can engage in meditation practice in a way that's truly transformative, that's profoundly beneficial. And that's really what we have the opportunity to do here together. So at this point I'm going to Hand over to Kirsten. So, welcome and good evening. My name is Kirsten, and I'm really looking forward to spend this weekend with you. And for me, it's always such a privilege to be asked to share something which is so dear to me, which is really precious in my life and made a big difference. But I would say before I start to speak, you have been sitting now quite a long time. Why not get up and move a little bit? So just, you know, do whatever you feel like doing. You can stretch, shake, jump, you know, whatever your body tells you it needs to do right now. Get the energy a little bit going. If uh, sounds come, feel free to let them come and go.
Okay, ready? <laughs> okay, just in your own time, sit down again. So, here we are, a weekend on a meditation retreat. And for many of you, it is the very first time. And I think it's great, you know. And just to encourage you again, what Jana said, be open, you know, letting as much as possible go of any expectations you might have. And before I came down, I just looked um, at the retreat description, and Jana wrote... Um, as one of the um, sentences, the phrases to, to draw people in, simply being present and opening to the way things are as the ground of well-being and spiritual awakening. Sounds great. I mean, we all want to feel well. We want to have a sense of well-being and spiritual awakening. has also like an interesting ring to it. But actually, when I thought about it a little bit, it's like just questioning how much in my life do I actually follow this, you know, opening up to things as things really are and being present. Very often what I do, and I think what a lot of people do, is actually that we do the opposite, that we try to numb ourselves a little bit, that we try to close down and push away, and especially if things are unpleasant and painful. It just doesn't feel intuitively the right things if things are painful, unpleasant, to open up, to be present to them, but rather to turn away. And we do it in all kinds of different ways. You might do it with food, you might do it with television. You know, there are myriad ways we have developed during our life to actually exactly not having to deal with things which are unpleasant or painful as much as possible. And you might find that you are confronted with these patterns of closing down, numbing yourself, turning away during this weekend retreat. And this isn't a problem. It's, a, it's very often for, for most of us a very conditioned strategy to deal with the vicissitudes of, of life, with the pain of life we often experience, pushing away and holding on to what is pleasant. So if you see it, just be aware of it, but also maybe as much as possible remember that there might be another way to actually address life, opening up, being present, and Yanai and I probably will continue to remind you during the weekend and just being open to this possibility that there is a different way to go about things. And we mainly will do this through the techniques of meditation and awareness of the body and of the press. And the techniques, you know, they're manifolds, there are many, and they're actually also really quite simple. And there are techniques which you can learn quite quickly. It's not that they're complex. 
They're very simple in what we are saying and sometimes so difficult to follow because, as you will discover quite quickly, you might have the attention to stay on your press, to keep attention on the sensation of breathing in and, in and out, and mind goes wherever it wants to go. And this is normal. It's not a problem. This is what will happen. And if we follow the instructions, if you follow the instructions we are giving you during the weekend retreat, you might and you might not, again, just see where you are with your expectations, actually experience moments of restfulness, of ease, of connection, of well-being, of spaciousness, or you might not. All you might do is just again coming back again and again with intention to focus your awareness on one object like the breath. And if you have these moments of restfulness and ease, fantastic, enjoy them. Really let them vibrate in your body, really soak them, you know, get, enjoy them. I'm just missing the English words in the moment. I have been away for one week in Germany and I spoke one week only German and I just feel that I'm still having to find my way back into the English language, so please bear with me if it doesn't sound completely right. Um, so we can... We can or we might experience these moments of restfulness, ease, connection, spaciousness, well-being in our meditation, and we might not. But actually, is this all we are looking for? And for some, for some of you it might be, which is fine. But actually, what... What the Buddha pointed out is that once we actually have a certain stillness of the mind, we have the opportunity to really dig deeper, to investigate, to really get curious about how we are functioning, about how life is. So also, the stillness of the mind in itself, it's very, very beautiful we can use it to actually really, really question our priorities in life, our strategies in life, how we go about life, and not again with any judgment, but with an openness. What is going on here? What is actually going on here? Do all my strategies... As Jana mentioned, we all want to be happy. Do all my strategies to actually attain happiness work or don't they work? What do I mean with happiness? And is there a different way to go about things? So it's actually quite, quite um, an amazing area we can enter through meditation in the area of exploration, of questioning things we hold very dear and true. And again, to see if you are willing to do this 
Or if you are not, you know, it's not that we tell you what you have to do or not, but really see where are you with it. Is there this curiosity to actually engage into the big questions of life? And most likely you will discover, I would assume, that a lot is driven in our lives, in your life, about how to push away that what is unpleasant and to create this is what this is what is pleasant. And 2,500 years ago, as Jana mentioned already, the Buddha, as he was called then, after his enlightenment, said actually there is a happiness beyond this. There is a happiness which is not dependent on pleasant and unpleasant. It's not dependent of getting what you want and getting rid of what we don't want. And this is actually the immense, immense potential we have as human lives, have as human beings. So maybe you saw me coming in and bowing, and very often I'm asked, to what do you bow? Is it to the Buddha? Is it to God? One expression of this bow for me is definitely to bow towards this human, this potential we have as human beings of really discover a truly liberated life. And these are very big words, and you can drop them. Just check in with yourself right here, right now. And where do we start in this exploration? We start here and now. So um, what I would like to do now is that we have a short meditation together. I won't make it too long because I'm aware that you probably all had a very long day. And um, so if you could, like in your own time, just find a, a pos posture where you feel reasonable, comfortable in. And we will see more about it. We will see more about the posture, but for now just try to find a posture where you feel reasonably comfortable in. And just close your eyes. And just getting a sense of you sitting here in this body right now. As much as possible, not a indirect experience of thinking about it, but actually how does it feel right now to inhabit this body? It 
feeling the pressure of your bum on the cushion, the bench or chair? Where does your body touch the ground? The sensation of your hands touching your thighs, thighs, or being in front of your abdomen. And take a couple of deep breaths, like gently breathing in and slightly longer than you normally would breathe in, and breathing out. And on the out press, as much as possible, trying to relax any area of tension you might experience in your body, just breathing in. And on the out releasing tension you might have in your body. Just do it uh, some, several times. as much as possible, fully inhabiting your body right here, right now. And I also would like to invite you to have an intention or to cultivate as much as possible the intention of kindness towards yourself. So the schoolmaster in your head, the judging voice in your head that you're not doing it right, they can stay where you put your mobile. Just really acknowledging that you do something very precious, something very courageous this weekend. For many of you that you try something completely new and that this needs to be acknowledged with kindness.
with respect and care. And again, in your own time, bring your attention to your breath. Where do you feel the movement of the breath in your body? The easiest. And just bringing your attention to this area of your body. Might be your nose, where the press is entering and leaving your nostrils. Might be the chest area, the movement of the breast in the area of your chest. Or it might be the falling and rising of your abdomen. Just give yourself some time to see where it's the easiest for you to connect with your breath directly. Feeling the sensation of breathing in and breathing out. It might be the whole passage of the press through your body. If you have any difficulties of experiencing your press because it's very subtle, what might be helpful is to place the palms of your hand, or one palm or both palms, on your abdomen to actually get in contact with the movement of your breast. Just see if this helps you to connect. And if your mind wanders off, which it most likely will do, simply return to the sensation of your breath in your body. Gently, kindly.
simply breathing in and out. Simply paying attention to this expression of life. This is very immediate, most essential expression of life. And whenever you realized that you are lost in thought, simply return to your breath. Paying attention, attention, without building up tension, if possible. And if you see that there's a tensing around it, just try to relax as much as possible. So, very simple instructions. 
It's probably quite difficult to do, but this is the, the terrain we are in. Okay, so I pass you over again to Yanai.